Well, hello, friends. I'm Kirk Moose with Moose Ministries, and this is Barry Klingen from the Church at Trophy Lakes in Trophy Club, Texas. And we are so happy to be here with you again today. Barry, would you like to shake it up a little bit and tell them of what we're going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, just a simple question, but one that we all face from time to time. And that is, how do you weather, as a Christian, as a believer, how do you weather the storms that come into your life? Now, we can use the word storms. We can use the word trials, tribulations. Uh, there was a famous preacher many years ago whose, whose wife died, like I think if I remember it right, on Thursday. And then he preached on Sunday. This was back uh, in the 1800s sometime in Scotland. And uh, he preached a sermon after his wife had tragically died, uh, When Life Tumbles In. What do you do when life tumbles in? I've always enjoyed that title. But we all know what we're talking about. We're talking about when the bottom falls out. And, you know, it's not a matter of if that happens. It's a matter of when and how deep uh, we all in our life go look back and, and have faced these. Some of you may be in one right now. Uh, loss of a job, you know, uh, sadly a relationship difficulty with a child or with a spouse that has left uh, and abandoned you or... You know, a job that you thought was going to be there forever and you find out one day you're going to be terminated. Uh, it can be a business that you start with the best intentions and it goes bankrupt. I mean, there's just a million different ways that life tumbles in, but it does tumble in. And the simple question to ask here today, what are some things we need to learn when life tumbles in, when the difficulties come? How do we how do we face this? And I'd jump right in, Kirk, and say... Uh, I think the first thing I would say about this is that realize this. When the bottom falls out, when the storm comes, whatever you call it, uh, it's usually not the storm or the difficulty. It's what it reveals in you uh, that becomes the issue. Uh, in other words, you know, problems usually don't cause problems. They reveal problems in your life. Difficulties that come our way, if I can say it that way, they, they reveal something in your life. I used to do capital stewardship campaigns for churches, and I'd go to church to church and help them raise their money for their, uh, for their buildings. You know, when you start talking about raising a lot of money in a church, and everybody will say, every time I do a capital stewardship campaign, it causes problems in the church. I said, no, no, no. It reveals problems in the church. It doesn't cause the problem. It reveals if there's a fellowship problem. So, you know, Kirk, I think we need to start thinking a minute, you know, as much as we're able to, once we get our bearings, when something difficult happens in our life is, you know, what's this going to reveal about my faith? It's going to reveal where I am and my progress and my walk uh, with the Lord. And, and it, 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 it provides the opportunity to have some in, uh, introspective time. Where's my faith at? And, you know, what's it revealing about me? I think it even could be almost like the litmus test. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, um, in parallel to money, mm -hmm. because the word says that the that money is the root of all evil, but money in itself is not what's evil. Mm -hmm. It's an exposer. Mm -hmm. It literally says, "Okay, Barry, or okay, Kirk, or whomsoever, you have now more money than you know what to do with. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do?" Yes. And if you have any evil intent in your heart, by nature, you're just going to naturally flow towards that other desire yes but if you have purity in your heart and you really care about others and the love of god abides in you your heart naturally will be well i have this money but that's not going to affect me 
I'm simply going to keep being me, and I'm going to touch others through it. You know, you should say that when you just talk about the money issue. Uh, I taught my kids, all my kids. I know if they were listening to this right now, they'd say, I know what Dad's about to say. Because I would, I've always taught them this that was taught to me many years ago. And here's what it was taught to me. It was taught this increased resources are a detriment to a flawed character. Excellent. Say that again. Increased resources are a detriment to a flawed character. So tomorrow, if a lawyer comes to your front door and tells you you had a rich uncle you didn't even know about, and he left you $10 million, guess what? Whatever flaws are in your character, they're about to get magnified. And we see this all the time with young men that just don't have the background or the ability of character, and they're good athletes, and they're given an incredible amount of money in a contract, and we watch them blow up. I mean, Mike Tyson's the poster child of this. Mike Tyson made over $400 million when he was a a, a fighter. $400 million, and then he found himself bankrupt. Uh, towards the end of that time. I mean, how do you blow for it? But the character defects are there. I think he's matured a lot uh, after that, but uh, he lost every bit of it because he just wasn't able to handle uh, that in our lives. But, you know, uh, that corresponds, as you said, money does with just any issue in our lives. It reveals something. Well, I think you just said something that's key as well. And talking about Mike Tyson's life, he went through something. Mm-hmm. And anyone who's gone through bankruptcy knows that that is a pressure cooker. And what happens when you're in the pressure cooker? You become something better than you were before. Yes. You have to be. That's the only way you're going to survive. So Mike Tyson weathered the storm. He got through it. We all see that he's still working and he's still Mm. doing things to make a living and he's in the public eye still. So we know he's become better than what he was and all of any character flaw that he used to have mm-hmm. because otherwise he would not be able to stand firm today financially where he's at. Exactly. I, you know, my wife and I were talking uh, last year on our anniversary, 35 years that we've been married, and we look back at oh, all we've been through. Uh, you know, we've had more good, obviously a lot more good than bad, but, you know, we lost a child. Uh, we, uh, you know, lost a ministry at one time. We found ourselves jobless and, you know, in our 30s with a you know, four-month-old. And we, we went through all kinds of, and we look back, we, and we really are at a point in life where we can say, that's where me and you grew closer uh, as husband and wife. It was not the good times. It was the difficult moments that caused us to depend on one another and grow in, one, with one another. And anybody that's in, in a relationship that long can say that. And it's not just married people. It's friends over time that help one another and grow uh, through through those difficulties. So I think number one, you're talking about weather and storm. You're talking about this is going to be a time of revelation in your life. Right. It's gonna, it's gonna. You're gonna find out where you are spiritually. You're gonna find out, you know, what uh, is going on in your life. So get ready. That's that. That's going to come. So what are some other things that we think about when we, uh, you know, come and face this moment in time? I, I know one thing that we could talk about is that you know the need when you go through something to have someone close. Uh, alongside with you, whether that's a spouse or a, a family member or whatever, or what, many times it's just a friend, uh, a pastor, uh, somebody that's walking this road with you and giving you some very good objective counsel uh, in the middle of it. Don't you think that's important? I completely agree. Yeah. That's incredibly important. It's also important that that person is someone who would challenge you. Yes. Not a yes man. We've yes. But we've talked before about yes. not having the yes man. We all need a yes man. Yeah. But in certain situations, you need that friend that'll say, 
hey, your perspective right now is skewed because of the situation you're in. You need to put your eyes on the Lord or you need to lift your countenance and draw on the strength that Jesus provides. Um, I think too many times we fall into this fallacy that we can study the Scripture to our benefit, to paint our perspective. Mm. And what I mean by that is we'll take a Scripture and because we don't understand something or we're in a certain situation, we'll read it in such a way to where it agrees with our current theology. Now, what do I mean by current Mm -hmm. theology? I currently believe X, Y, Z because I didn't experience healing because of my loved one. Mm -hmm. Or I believe X, Y, Z now because... I had a death in my family, and it was untimely, it was wrong, and I don't believe it should have happened. And so you build a philosophy around this situation in your life that helps you to framework what you have had, your experience, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Well, the Bible wasn't written around my framework, it wasn't written around your framework or anybody else in our timeline's framework. It was written around Christ, what He did for us, and what He is going to continue to do for us. Yes. And we have to remember as we read His Word that we need to pull from the Scriptures like you and I have talked mm-hmm. on record and off record that we need to pull from the Scriptures what it's saying to us and not reading in out of our convenience. And see, I think that's what a friend will do for you in that objective uh, time. I, 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 I think almost everything we go through that we talk about when I go through that litany of lists or whatever it is, losing something, losing a job, it all tends to be centered around losing something. We lose a business, we lose a job, we lose a loved one, we lose... And, you know, many, many years ago, a very, very smart woman uh, discovered and really uh, put in words the five stages of grief that we go through. We've always applied that to losing a loved one or losing someone that we cared about and the grief that we go through with that. But I think that grief is there for any loss. If it's loss of money, business, career, fame, fortune, reputation, whatever, any of that, we grieve that. What I've found to be incredibly important, and I learned this through going things, through things in my own life, those friends that are lifetime friends, and they, they knew who they are in my life, they you know told me, and I saw them, I was so destroyed early on in the loss that... They couldn't tell me anything. They could just love me and say, you're going to get through this and, and all this. But there came a time when they could speak into my life and say and nudge me to take that step further. I, I've learned this, uh, Kirk, with people in all these years of ministry. I've learned that those stages of grief are very real. But I've learned also everybody approaches them differently according to what they're going through in their own personality. My only role has always been as a friend is to not let them get stuck. Yes. In one particular area. If you get stuck in one, and what is getting stuck? Is it a year? Is it six months? Is it two years? You know, for everybody it's different. But yet the friend usually can see we're circling these same old wagons over and over. It's time for me to nudge you to think a little bit differently about this and move forward with this. I've made a ministry out of when people in the church have gone through these these moments. Uh, one, one you know, time, I'm just thinking one on top of my head, so many years ago, a man in our church finally confessed Christ and was baptized. And I watch it always. When people get, you confess Jesus as Lord, you're going to get tested. And uh, just within months after that, he lost his job. He was middle-aged. He didn't know what he was going to do or how he was going to do it. And I saw that crushing defeat on his life and being as a new Christian. So I told him, listen, we're going to meet at Starbucks. Every, we're going to stand an appointment every Tuesday afternoon at 2 o'clock, we're going to meet. And we did almost every Tuesday for a year. 
And I, I watched this individual go from being destroyed to entertaining the idea of starting his own business to starting his own business to becoming successful in it all within a year's time. And it, and it took some wisdom on my part to speak into his life at the right time to get him to think and move forward through it. I only did that not because I'm wise, but because I saw someone do that with me. And when I went through with mine, I realized how important that is. So I think finding that person that's objective to come alongside of you. Now, the Holy Spirit will do that as the comforter that comes alongside of you. But you need somebody sometimes with the Holy Spirit within them to speak those words and, and to be able to receive them. And I, I say it this way, Kurt, those friends like that that come along, they've earned the right to speak into your life. These are people oh, yes. you know love you. And they, they care what's best for you. They're not having any other reason to do what they're doing, but that they love you. And when they do that, they've earned the right. I've got these friends in my life. If they called me today and said, you know, you know, Barry, I want to talk to you about something. I'm seeing you talk about this a lot. Are you, are you dealing with, you know, they've earned the right to ask me those questions because I know they genuinely care for my soul. And I think that's incredible when you go through difficulties is have that friend alongside us. It's also very important. I have a very good friend who went through a divorce and lost his marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, because that's what happens when you have a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but Obvious. the thing is, is many of his friends, because of the situation, just walked away from him mm-hmm. and disowned him. I stuck close, close like a brother mm-hmm. the entire time. And I watched him go from someone that was on the edge of walking away from everything that he knew with the Lord to now being very strong in his faith. Mm-hmm. And so what you're saying is so critical, mm-hmm. not just as a pastor, but mm-hmm. as a brother in Christ, we need to reach out to others. That's good. You know, too many, and I hate to meddle, but I'm going to meddle mm-hmm. a little. Too long have people waited for the fivefold ministers to do all the work. Mm-hmm. The fivefold ministers, according to Ephesians, is there to equip the mm-hmm. body for the work of the gospel. So... You and I, our primary mission in life is to equip others to do the yes. work of God. Yes. Now, that doesn't exempt us from it. We're mm-hmm. still a part of the body. Yes. But the body's job is not to say, hey, pastor, you know, I'm bringing someone to church, so you need to win them to Christ. That's mm-hmm. not what the Word says. Yes. We are supposed to build these individuals up so much that when they go out into the workplace, when they have the, the testimony comes off of their lips, mm-hmm. that the person's like, dude, I need some of that. Yes. I need some of Jesus. And, and add this to it, because I think this is a very practical piece of advice here. Uh, and that is, when you see someone going through this, don't go to that person and say, hey, if you need anything, call me. That's right. Because they will never call you. Many times with loss comes shame. And with that shame, you just you don't want to ever reach out. You don't want to try to explain things and, and do things you know, about what you've been through. I, I watched in my own life when I went through a difficult time that one of my friends uh, had kind of gotten distant from for a while. And during this time we had, he found out what had happened. He gave my wife a card and, and said, you tell him to call me and we're good together. So my wife comes home, gives me that card, and I just flipped it over on the table. I go, yeah, right. About... Ten minutes later, the doorbell rang, and this person was standing at the door and said, you know what, I gave your wife a card, 
But I thought about what I went through. Everybody did that, and I didn't call anybody. So I always said if I saw someone else going through this, I'm going to go. And he said, get your stuff together. We're going to go get lunch, and we're going to talk. And I said, no. He said, if I have to put the clothes on you, you know, and get you ready, we're going to go out there. And so I did it. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. And what we're saying, Kirk, what you said and what I'm saying with that story is be proactive. Hey, yes, go sir. after the erring brother. And, the, and I say erring, the one that's going through the difficulty. Go after them. Seek get into their life. They're not going to naturally be open. With loss comes shame, and with shame comes isolation, and they're not typically going to say that. And it's a nice thing to say. Call me if you need me. I say it all the time to people, but truly, if I'm really going to do something, be intentional about helping that friend. One of the greatest things you can ever do is become that friend in that difficult moment by showing up on their front door and doing that. That is one of the most practical pieces of advice you can do. And this is not you going through it and surviving it. This is you seeing others go through it. Because the truth is, all of us that have gone through something, we were, we really, if we didn't have it, we sure did wish we'd had someone that loved us the way we were and helped us get through that. And we, we wanted that, but we didn't know how to reach out for it. And the more, the more known someone is, the less likely they are going to have someone. It's, oh, they got all these people. Now, it'll be harder for anybody to reach out. So be that friend and go to that person and, and come alongside of them. That's one of the best things we can give as advice that both oh, of us are definitely. saying. Definitely. Definitely true. Hey, what, what, uh, we mentioned... Uh, you know, you know, just what do you do with this? You know, know that this is going to be a revelation of your spiritual temperature, your, where you are. Know that you need a friend uh, and receive that friendship in your life uh, uh, to do that. I, I think the only thing I would add to that that we have time for today is somehow or another understand that this too shall pass. And, yes. uh, you know, when you find yourself in it, you think it's the end of the world. And uh, people will even commit suicide by... Uh, you know, what is it my friend Jamie Regal always says, when someone commits suicide, they, they have made an eternal response to a temporary problem. And uh, you don't need to do that, you, ne- you know, and you need that friend to do that uh, uh, with that. So I think it's a, you know, really good thing to get that perspective. And it's very hard to do, especially initially in a loss. But get that perspective. This is something that's going to grow me. This is something that somehow or another I'm going to come through and come out of, and dark as it may look. You're going to get better as a result of that. You're going to grow through this, and you're going to survive. And I think that's one thing the friend needs to initially be telling. You know, the word encouragement means encourage. It's me saying words to Kirk or to you or anyone, and by my words, I'm filling you with the courage to get up the next day, to get out of bed, to face it. And that's what encouragement is. And so you need that encouragement, and you need to keep helping people initially see this isn't the end. You know, you're going to get through this. You're going to survive this. You're going to be, you, you're, you're going to be better. And, uh, you know, they need to hear follow-ups. that. Is what? And intentional follow-ups. Intentional. Yeah, that's, that, that's key. We're kind of taking this from both ends. It's not just when you go through it, but when you see others go through it. That's right. How to minister to them uh, going through it as well. That's it. Well, I don't think we have time for much else. No, I got 10 more, but we don't have time. That's no, it. I don't have that many. Well, guys, we thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and then the bell icon so that you can get notified anytime we put another show out. Also, look into the comments section if you would like to check out the podcast or our newsletter, and you'll be able to subscribe to the newsletter or go to our podcast there. Guys, you have a wonderful day. God bless you. God bless you.